going to preach and uh, continue preaching in the book of Ephesians. And in particular today, he wants to focus on community. And that's where we are at in the book of Ephesians, the idea of community. And here's something that I just was on my heart, something that I just wanted to share with all of you this morning, is this incredible reality that God in his great goodness did not call us to live this Christian life, to live this Christian mission by ourselves. He called us to do it in community. And here's the thing about community. We use it all the time. We use the phrase community, you know, community of believers, or it could be your community in your neighborhood, or your community at work, or your community at school, whatever it is. It's this idea of kind of a mutual gathering around something. But here's why I want to let you know that the idea of Christian community trumps all of it. You see, what happens when people who, I've heard from people who um, go to war together, people who've experienced hardship together, people who've experienced trauma together, or people who are on true mission of life together, there's a bond that's created that's just different, right? And I want us to know this, and what I want us to understand is for those of us, we are, are people who are united by something bigger and greater than our family ties, our economic ties, our ethnic and racial ties. We are people who are, are bonded by something greater than our kind of affinity groups, things that we like to do, or the communities that we live in. We are bonded by a common experience. One is this, that we are all sinners in need of a savior. None of us are perfect. I just want to let you say that again. None of you are perfect. You know, I think a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of schools, a lot of places go around today kind of telling you, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. That's not true. Because we're all sinners. I mess up all the time. And we all need a savior. And the tying blood that ties us more than the blood of our family is the blood of Jesus. That he redeems. Think about this common experience of a rescue. Those kids who were rescued out of the caves in Thailand, those 12, those 12 kids will have a common experience that bonds them for the rest of their lives. They were in horrible situation and they were rescued out of darkness into light. They were rescued and that will bond them together. That is our experience times a million. We were in darkness and we were rescued. It bonds us in a whole new way. And they were also on mission together. We were rescued out of this. We have a common experience of being sinners. We were rescued, common experience of being rescued, but we also have the common experience of being on mission together, a purpose, a commonality that drives us, that brings us together, that says together we can accomplish this mission because separately we cannot do it. But together we can come together. That needs to drive us closer and closer to each other. That needs to drive us in what we call Christian community. You know, yesterday, um, just a little example of this, um, my son, we randomly, not a big deal, before anybody gets alarmed, we had to go to the emergency room for a little while. And we were there for about seven and a half hours. And while we were there, our worry is like our other son, I was like, oh no, like we don't want to bring two kids and it's going to be crazy. And so we're like, well then I had one family said, oh, we'll watch them. So they come over to our house and watch them. Then another family said, we'll help the family that's helping them. Then another family texts us and says, well, let me bring them dinner. And another family says, well, will they need anything? So it's almost like the family was helping the family that was helping the family that was helping the family. And I loved it. It was an incredible example of you know, something little, something silly, something small shows how community can gather together. Pastor Josh earlier this week came into my office and he shared with me this article that he read about why we need each other why we need each other in our lives. And he was like, I love it, because he just came in and you know, we both got, we're both kind of emotional people. And so we're both kind of like, we do need each other, yes. <laughs> and, but we were sitting around just talking about this idea of, we've kind of lost a little bit of that in Western culture, haven't we? We've lost a little bit because we're very individualized. We have our fenced in houses and our garages, so we don't have to see each other unless you're walking your dog. You know, we have this idea of like, well, don't talk to me about money and politics or serious stuff. We can have casual conversations. We have this idea of my own personal relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you, the whole Bible knows nothing about a personal relationship. It knows a lot about a, a communal relationship. Now, don't take that the wrong way. Yes, I want you to know Jesus personally. <laughs> but we're meant to do this together in community. But, and I want you to hear this, it sounds all good, but it's not easy, is it? I mean, we're talking about culturally having to shed a lot of our comforts and our individualism and a lot of the baggage that we've had. It's talking about letting people into your life, and when you think about your life, it's messy, right? 
And some of you guys are like, well, I've tried and people have burned me and hurt me in the past. The church has burned me and hurt me in the past. Well, I got news for you. You've probably burned and hurt people in the past. We all have, because we're all sinners, but we keep on moving because the mission is worth more because our common experience bonds us deeper and because what Jesus did taking us out and rescuing us propels us in this way this is a time where we gather together in congregational prayer and what I want us to pray for during this time is I want us to pray for a deeper sense of community a deeper willingness, and guys, this has to be a prayer because only the Holy Spirit can do this because there's nothing inside of me humanly that wants you to look at my life and say, Lawrence, you need to work on this. Because my individualism, my pride rises up at that, you know? I was, I was talking to um, actually Eric and Danny about this earlier this week. We were talking about if we really loved people well and cared about their holiness, instead of telling people, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, we should say, how can I step into your life with you so that we don't walk in those things? We should take it upon ourselves, put the weight upon us and say, oh, you're struggling with that sin? Okay, not instead of judging and condemning you for it, how can I walk into it with you and say, okay, let's not do that together? Right? That's hard stuff. And that's what we're praying that the Holy Spirit will move in us to do. And it's also praying for the Holy Spirit to move in us to get past some of the hurts that we've experienced in the past. Maybe the church has hurt you. Maybe you've let yourself be vulnerable and that didn't turn out very good for you. Maybe you've you've built up all these walls and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm really good at coming to church and acting like everything's fine on Sunday mornings. Just let, let that be what it is. I checked that off my list. Man, may you pray today, as we pray together this time, that you're willing and open to community, true community. Not because you need it, because you do, yes, but also because the mission of God calls for it. Do you hear that? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for our common experience, our common bond of God, needing rescuing and being rescued. God, we thank you that you took us out of darkness into light and you called us into family, into community together with a common purpose, with a common goal of advancing your kingdom. May your kingdom come, Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven. And God, you called us, you said your, your means of making that happen, your means of making that happen, the kingdom advancing is by your community of the local body of believers living in community together and making disciples. So God, will you show us how to live in Christian true community together? Will you soften the hearts of all of us who've been burned or the walls that we've created? Will you tear down those walls? Will you open our hearts to be vulnerable? To try again? God, will you give us the boldness and the the initiative to reach forward and say, I need you in my life or you need me in your life. Can we get together in community? May you open us up to receiving care and comfort from others, but also accountability, encouragement, love, and God, acts of of people who bring out holiness in each other. May we see in this community stories of redemption and healing. May we see those who've been struck hard by the waves of life who are still standing. May we see those who are struggling and may we gather around them. May we weep with those who weep and may we praise with those who praise. May we live with joy in community, God, for the purpose of advancing your kingdom so that the world may know and see the glory of our living Savior. So God, will you move in this place? Holy Spirit, we need you to. We can't just will it upon ourselves. Holy Spirit, will you soften our hearts so we can live in community together for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. When we look in the scriptures, we find so many fascinating aspects of who God is and how he's made us and how he's created humanity. And there's this one glimpse in the Garden of Eden when he's initially created uh, everything in the world and he's created Adam. And God looks at at creation and he says, everything is good. But there was this one point where God said it was not good. Do you remember what that was? It's that Adam was alone 
that he was alone. And so this concept of Adam being alone and it not being good was why God created Eve and then throughout that we understand he said be fruitful and multiply and the, the generations of people have come. And so we see the importance even to God of this idea of community. In the garden, he even went further and he walked daily with Adam and Eve. He met with them. In the Trinity that we talked about when we first started Ephesians, God found perfect community inside of himself. It's a very important concept. It's a very just foundational part of the Christian experience. But a lot of times we say those things with their mouths. But do we actually live them out? Do we walk in this? And so as we're continuing in the book of Ephesians, uh, let's look at chapter 4. So turn with me in your Bibles as we look at this and as we continue to study this book. Now, this series has been interesting for me especially. I do not have a large amount of teaching, preaching experience under my belt. And I've never done a teaching series from a stage in a church like this. So this is my first time. And so I compare it to like an ocean of waves. Like every week, this thing is just coming. I don't know how pastors, lead pastors that preach all the time do this because there's the, you just don't get away from this thing. It's always coming one week after the other. And I'm just like, how do you get this done? How are you not up on Saturday nights just constantly working on this thing? It's just there. And you're not getting away from it. Can you imagine if I walked in this morning and was like, sorry, guys. If you all want to come back next week, I think I'll be ready. <laughs> I mean, it's, none of you would go for that. I think the church would just be like, oh, we're going to go somewhere else. We're going to find somewhere where we can, like, these guys can get it together, can figure this out. So this is really an interesting concept as we do this. So as we continue in the series, we're now to chapter four. And as I've been looking at this and as God really brought to mind this picture. So before we ever started Ephesians, we had started working on this diagram of what Waypoint Church looks like. What is a vision that we can cast visually to this church of what Waypoint looks like. And so we talked about the foundational aspect of the gospel, that all of this has to be built on the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's really awesome that Ephesians started there. It just launches into this great, amazing picture of who God is as, he's in the, as He reveals Himself in the Trinity and how He has reconciled us to Himself. Because remember, in the garden... Adam and Eve walking with God, and then they rebel against God. And the, the, one of the first things he does after he walks through these series of curses is he casts them out of the garden, which was symbolic of casting them out of his presence and then not being able to commune with them anymore, them not being able to commune with him. And so this is a, this is a moment of tension that's created right at the beginning of the Bible. And that moment of tension flows all the way through because God is presenting to us this grand narrative of Him pursuing us to bring us back. And that's the gospel. It's Him reconciling us to Himself through the death of His Son Jesus on our behalf. And if the church is not built on that, it's weak. And maybe not even existent because it's going to crumble. And so the, the roof is, is what the church is built. It's what's holding the church up is this concept of the gospel. But then we find in the scriptures this recurring themes, especially in the New Testament, of how the church works together. And in these three pillars of community, discipleship, and mission. And we see these themes repeated over and over and over again. And so when we look at chapter 4, we're going to look at and, and be able to see how a church is seen as healthy. How do we identify a healthy church? How do we know if a church is walking in health? And so um, there's going to be, there's another picture of this. And what's going to come up here are these arrows. 
because these things aren't easy to just like set out. All right, this is what this this is the mission, and then this is discipleship, and this is what community looks like. They really bleed into each other. And in chapter four of Ephesians, we're going to especially see this bleed over a lot. We're going to see this interconnectivity of how these things play out in the body, in the membership in all of us walking as believers. Now, chapter 4 is also kind of divided in half by the word walk. So you see in chapter 4, verse 1, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He's the, it's the first walk. The second walk, if we turn to chap, um, chapter 4, verse 17, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So the first half of chapter 4, surrounding, coming behind this word walk, is a more positive view of how we should walk. The second half is a more negative view of how we should not walk. And so we're going to walk through this together, alright? So a healthy community, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, a healthy community walks together in unity. The foundational part of the word community is the word unity. A community is not actually a community if it's not unified. So we look at the community of our home. If there's not unity there, it's chaos. We look at the community of our church. If there's not unity there, there's going to be chaos. And so walking here is also going to tie us back to chapter 2, verse 10. Look back at chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this actually is post this huge understanding of the gospel. And we can get this reversed when we believe that our good works lead us to God, that our good works and our merit is what we put before God so that He will love us better, but that's not the gospel message because that's not good news at all. Actually, the good news is, is that God loves us first in Christ and then creates works for us to do. He, the gospel works in us first and then flows through us to the world. And so he's prepared these things for us to do, to walk in. And so we talked about last week, walking in the mission of Christ to reach the nations. This week we're looking at walking in community. So a healthy community is, is walking together in unity. And it's a worthy walk. Look at verses 1 through 3. He says it's the calling to which you've called, that you, to which you've been called. Um, that's, um, that's worthy. It's walking in a manner that's worthy. Now, many of us can come in to church week by week, and we can really feel and sense that when we see a phrase like that, we can think, oh, I did not walk in a manner that was worthy this week. Can you identify with that? I know I can. I know that I can come in here and see a phrase like that and be like, well, that was not me. Humility and gentleness is going to talk about, look at this, walk in this manner worthy, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness. Was I that way this week with my family, with others? Did I walk in patience, bearing with one another in love? And look at verse 3, eager, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But the greatness of God shines forth here when He shows us that there is hope. Even for the, those of us who don't walk in a manner worthy of our calling all the time. And we do fail. And we do sin. And we do continue to live in rebellion against God. There's grace. There's hope. And we're not alone. You see, this passage is written to a church, the church in Ephesus. He's writing to a plural audience. And he's saying, walk together toward this end. We are not to do discipleship alone. So he's introducing to us here, and you'll see this, this is the pillar that we're working on today, this concept of community. So when we extract that, and that's what, this one pillar here, is what we're going to look at. Now, this is how we understand. A unified community is here to help us gain understanding. 
a unified community of loving believers who understands the gospel, we're here together to help each other walk this way. So it helps us understand our status as children of God is unchanging. I need you in my life to remind me that my identity in Christ does not change. Because when I don't walk in a manner worthy of which I'm called, I'm often defaulting to this concept that I'm no longer His child. I'm no longer in good favor with God. But that's not true. And if I live in isolation, I can easily walk and think that way. I need the community. I need brothers and sisters in Christ to remind me of my identity that is unchanging. But I also need you to hold me up as I walk because I will often fall. I will often fail. And there are people in this community and people in this church who know my weaknesses and know my failings. And I have the opportunity to confess to them and walk beside them and they with me. And I praise God for that. Even though it's not easy, even though it's difficult oftentimes to even admit or confess those things to others, it's important and it's vital because if I continue to isolate myself in my sin, it will drain me because I'm not being reminded of the gospel. So Ephesians shows us this community is here to help us. Now, like I said earlier, these pillars are going to be blurred a little. It's going to be fuzzy because they're going to bleed into each other. It's not cut and dry. But ultimately, the community pillar is kind of like this jar of jelly beans. Okay? You see, inside the jar is the fruit, right? Okay? This container holds the goodness of sweet jelly beans. But many of you right now are holding a warm cup of Bean Traders breakfast blend. Okay? You would not be enjoying that coffee like this. Right? It's not going to happen. You need the cup. These jelly beans have this container. Community is the container for which we find discipleship. Okay? Community is the thing that holds it. Um, God gave us each other as a community to grow together. And so, um, so discipleship's going to be all over chapter 4. And understanding, and, and we'll talk about discipleship another time, but discipleship, growing as a follower of Jesus Christ, exists inside the container of community. Now also, Doritos need this bag. I've already been asked why there's a bag of Doritos up here. If I don't have the bag, the Doritos are stale. Okay? And everybody's like, wait a second, where are you going with this? Now, evidently, Pastor Lawrence believes you can learn a lot about prayer from a bag of Doritos as well. I'll let him talk about that some other time. All right. So we need these, these, this concept of community holds us together in discipleship. It's a part of what God's created for the church to grow. So continuing on, it helps us understand as we grow together in community that we walk hand in hand. He says in verse 3, I love this, eager. Eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Are we Waypoint Church? Are we eager to be unified? Are we eager to set aside our differences and come together as one? So, really, a healthy church walks in a manner worthy hand in hand with each other. In humility, in gentleness, in patience, loving each other, and this, with this eagerness for unity. The church should exemplify unity to our world. If we can't get along, then who ultimately could ever get along? As the redeemed children of God, we are set up to be able to get along the best. So we live for this unity in verse 3. We pull together. Pulling together is really the secret to the church's power 
in transformation of the world. God uses us in that way. And then in verses 4 through 5, there it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are a community that's supposed to look like Jesus. We are one in body because we have a one God that we worship. He exemplifies oneness and unity to us so that we come together and show the world a unified church. And then again, don't forget our identity comes through this. Our identity is found in Christ's love for us. We're not striving for perfection to be accepted. We've already been accepted and made perfect in Christ, yet not fully. We're still growing, and we're growing in that holiness together. So in verses 7 through 10, we're going to see how this community walks in the gospel. Look at this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He has gifted us with righteousness through His grace. We have hope because of Christ's finished work on the cross. We've been given that hope. So we've given grace Grace, grace. We should be, this should be the battle cry of the church is that we are a community of grace. And though we're hearing this message all the time, it's the bedrock of our faith. It's there to remind us of who we are. The gospel message, Jesus came to give us grace. He came down to, to stand in my place for my sin. To be killed for me. Though I am the rebel... He died. And that's amazing grace. But then, as we go on, it says, and then it, and it talks about Jesus coming down there in verses 8 and 9, descending to us so that He may take us back with Him one day. In verse 11, but He gave us something. Okay, now this is interesting how God does this. Okay? He gives these, what He calls here, apostles, in verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Now this is an interesting lot. If you know pastors, you know that we need a lot of work. I don't know why God does this, but He tends to find the weakest, the most unqualified, and puts us at the helm to equip people for the work of ministry. I mean, I don't get, you, you get to know some pastors. As a pastor, you get to know pastors. And if you get to know pastors, we're a sorry bunch of people. We need a lot of help as we walk through this. And I almost feel like it's almost like this really funny joke in heaven. Like, that guy, really, he's really, he's, he just needs a lot of help. So let's make him a pastor and then give him the job of discipleship. It's, it's rough. It's rough what you guys get. And I'm sorry, but this is the way that Ephesians is, is showing us that God set this up. He gave this group of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, not to do the work of ministry. See, when we, a long time ago, and I don't know when it happened, but at some point, we professionalized the clergy. And we said, that guy does ministry. That's not what the scriptures teach. The church does ministry equipped by the pastors, elders, apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. My job as the past, one of the pastors at Waypoint is to equip you for the work of ministry, to come alongside of you, to guide, to pray for, pray with, disciple, build, sh give you resources, commission you, send you, prepare you. All these things are the, is the job that God has given to us as pastors. And it says in verse 12, look at that, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So inside of this community, is a group of folks who are being equipped for ministry work. 
we, as the church, are the ministers. We are the missionaries to the world. It's not a professional thing. You see, it was, it's interesting. William Carey was the first sent full-time supported missionary out of England. And a lot of things changed. Before that, in Acts 8, the church was going into the world as traders, soldiers, teachers, going out into the whole world and the gospel was spreading. William Carey came along, and I'm not trying to say anything because William Carey is awesome. I mean, the guy spoke like 27 languages. Okay? So don't hear that. But what happened was, and it was good at that time, they sent him out as the professional missionary, and we began to really start articulating missions in that vein. We, the guys on the stage with the seminary degrees, aren't the only thing. We're not the gift to the world and the nations. The church is. The church was God's plan to reach the world. So when you go into your workplaces, and some of you travel all over this country, and some of you travel to parts of the world in places, offices, and structures that I could never walk into, you have access and relationships that I don't have. You have business or communities, relationships in your neighborhoods, or relationships at your gym, or at coffee shops, or at places that you hang out. You are in hospitals. You are in classrooms. You are using other languages on the phone every day. Because you have been positioned there by Christ to do that work of ministry. You're a missionary to those places. And if you travel to China or India, Singapore, Malaysia, Dubai, wherever, the London, God's sending you as a way to reach them. But you're not doing it alone. You're in a family. You're in a, you have a new citizenship. You are a, in a group and a community that are all working together, praying together, serving together, building each other up. So look at that. The, equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, which is a way of saying the church. In the verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Now this is the discipleship piece. We are growing together toward a goal. I'm, I'm needing maturity in Christ. I'm needing to grow in holiness. I'm needing to progress in my sanctification. And though, therefore, it's not meant to be isolated. So, now, we talk about these pillars, and each of these pillars, we're using a three-legged stool to represent them. You recognize the mission stool from last week? Thank you, Miss Sue, for making this a reality of beautiful painting, artwork up here. So, if you thought that I did this, yeah. Okay, so... Stool for today is community stool, all right? So check this out. There are three colors on the legs, and they progress from a light gray to a dark gray. That's intentional. And I wanted to use t-shirts to, to kind of talk through this concept of community and growth. And I was like, well, if all my t-shirts are all the same size, how do I do this? And then right when I was kind of thinking about it, this big box shows up at the church full of all the new Waypoint t-shirts. And I was like, yes, every size I need, all right? So, and plus this is a great way to conceptualize what I'm talking about. This t-shirt is an extra large, all right? This extra large t-shirt is representative of the group that you're in right now. In community at Waypoint, and, and let me just say this as a side note, okay? When we first set out to plant Waypoint Church, community was one of those things that became a part of the DNA of who we are. 
And those of you who've been around a while, and those of you who are new, are seeing this from different perspectives. Those who are around a while were a part of building this. And those of you who are new, stepping in, maybe even some of you are visiting today, you're experiencing this community. This is extremely important to us. This is vital to Waypoint Church, that we are a community of saints who who provide a welcoming atmosphere to everyone that walks through these doors, both those of us who are part and those who are visiting. And so we are together growing. And so in this room right now, you're sitting in community. Okay? But this is extra large community. All right? This is extra large community. It's not on the stool because the stool's going to talk about a little bit something deeper. But I want you to know that it's okay. I'm glad you're here, but this is not enough. It's a good thing, and it's awesome. It's not enough. Extra large community isn't enough. We need to keep pressing in to smaller, because it's when we get into smaller communities that we grow. Now, so that's extra large, all right? Who's, who, who thinks they wear it extra large? David, there you go. You can trade it in if it's not the right size. Now, this is a large t-shirt. Now, it's interesting that we call them small groups. You see the dark leg there, okay? Small groups are still large groups. They're just smaller large groups, okay? This is your large t-shirt. This is your large group. We offer community small we offer small groups in communities all throughout the city all week long. It's an important part of our spiritual growth to be in those communities. Those are the places where we meet and gather because this is the smaller group that prays for us, that knows us, that cares about us. This is where we learn about the Bible even deeper. This is where we discuss things together. This is where we meet some of our closest friends at Waypoint. This is where we get to know people at a deeper level. This is a family. And you do a lot together. Our, our small groups serve together, love together, grow together. And so a small group's great. It's awesome. I encourage it. I'm the small group's pastor. So it's really important to me, all right? Casey's like throwing her head back. She's really trying to get my attention. She, she's waving. She's raising her eyebrows. There you go. Now, move to the... Yeah, left. I'm looking at a screen back there. All right. Now, this is a medium, okay? That middle leg there is affinity groups. Now, we, I've introduced to the small group leaders this concept we call 4G circles. And I only call it 4G circles because one day when it came to my mind, I was driving down the road and I saw a billboard, 4G LTE. And I was like, yes, that's right. So, it doesn't have to be four. But ultimately, imagine a group of four. Now, you're in a small group. I'm going to make your small group smaller for a second in your mind. A smaller, small group, a group of four, what we call affinity groups, is another great way to grow. This week, there were a group of moms and a group of kids all in here playing together. That was an affinity group. It's a group that they all have something in common. They've come together. Men play golf together sometimes. That's an affinity group. My affinity groups sometimes are around like coffee and food and, you know, things like that. What is it that you love? Who is it that you would love to do that with? I encourage you to get into a small group that will get you into a group that's even smaller. Because then we can grow. Then we grow together. Then we walk together as we grow. Bart, heads up. <laughs> what do you say? They're large, though. You can trade it in. You can trade it in. I mean, it can give you the extra small. All right, this is the small. And this is what I call one-to-one. -one. Every Thursday morning at Bean Traders, Jeff... Carter and I hang out. And it is a mutual accountability and growth. And sometimes we get off on all kinds of things 
and all kinds of rabbit trail conversations. But it's a good time. It's good for me. I don't know if it's good for Jeff. <laughs> but we love that time. We look forward to that time. We're reading a book together. We're growing. We discuss the book. We discuss family. He's raised kids up, up so I have a, like a lot of questions about kid raising and all that kind of stuff. And so I need that one-on-one -on -one as well. I need this community. I need my small group. I need affinity groups of men that I really spend time with. And I need that time on Thursdays with Jeff and with others. It doesn't have to be one one-to-one. -one. It could be a couple. I'm not trying to like schedule out your life or anything. But this is a great opportunity for us to understand that God has built community for us. Okay. Now, extra small, that's when you buy yourself. <laughs> and you can grow that way too. But it's a good one. All right. So, inside the container of community, we discover the fruit of discipleship. Okay? Inside the container of community, we discover the fruit of discipleship. Jelly beans in the jar, Doritos in the bag, Joe in the cup, right? Now, when we find that, we find health. And in verses 17 through 32, it starts giving us a lot of ways that are typical to human experience. A lot of negative things and habits and sins that we get involved in. But this community and the, these communities and this type of discipleship helps us grow out of those habits. Helps us get rid of those things because we start understanding our identity in Christ and what it is. So verse 17. Now I say this to testify that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. What's the futility of the mind is a darkened mind. And so often when I am futile in my thinking and darkened in my understanding, it's because I have placed myself in a position of isolation. I do my best sinning alone. Right? But when someone's keeping track of me and walking alongside of me, and knowing that about me, but loving me anyway, like Christ loves me, then I'm growing. So it says here that the old way of walking, verse 18, we're darkened in our understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to hardness of heart. Man, I can become so calloused. I can become so greedy to be impure when I'm isolated. But then he goes on to say, um, I and mean, he says that actually, verse 19, they become callous, giving themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Peter is going to say in, in his letter, look, if you're not walking in these ways, it's not because of anything other than you've forgotten. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten your identity. You've forgotten you're a child of God. And it's not going to change. Hey, I'm going to preach the doctrine today that you cannot lose your salvation. Nothing that you can do can turn, make God turn His back on you. Nothing. So in that, we can walk in victory. I was reading this, past, this, uh, this um, article by John Piper. And he was talking about so many times on Saturday night, the saints of God fail and walk in with their head down on Sunday mornings. He says, let's not do that, church. Let's have a gutsy guilt. Yes, we should be ashamed of our sin. Yes, we should walk in repentance. But we can walk before the throne of God with our heads held high, knowing that as children of the King, we have confidence. We have gutsy guilt to walk into this place on, on Sunday morning. So no matter what we've done on Saturday night, no matter where we've gone or what we've clicked on, we can walk in here with our heads held high, knowing that Christ forgives us, Christ loves us, Christ pursues us, even in our sin. And I need you to remind me of that. 
I need you to walk alongside of me in that. I need the community of faith to help pull me in, walk beside me. I need you to know, like Pastor Lawrence says, to know me and love me. So many of us get to be known and people walk out of our lives. That's not love. So many of us might be loved because we really set up a nice profile. I want to live life known and therefore loved and then live out my purpose that God's called me to. And I need you guys to help me in that. We need each other to walk in that. So when we, and he says this, starting in verse 20, that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the new community, this community that walks as a new creation, we know Christ. That's why we share the gospel. The foundation of this pillared building is the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. It's making Him known. It's proclaiming that. Um, in verse 21, we're, we're actively a community growing together in discipleship. Verse 22, we're killing sin. We're killing sin. Put to death the misdeeds of the body, Romans says. We are a community that has a prescription here for growth. Changed or recreated members of community. And then he goes through this list. 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Hey, he's saying... You don't need to lie anymore. You don't need to cover up. Let's be true with each other. There's a brother in this room that I can be true with. And I know that. And me and this guy, we meet once a month. And I tell him things. And he takes the, the bow of the gospel and slams the arrow of truth right into my sin. And helps me grow. And I love that brother for that. I need that. He goes on to say in verses 26 and 27, put away, and these are just examples. He's saying these are some typical common human experiences. Are we liars? Yeah. Do we have unrighteous anger? Yeah. Do, I have, do, do we steal? Yeah. Do we have corrupt talk? Yeah. Do we have bitterness and rage? Yeah. Because we're sinners. But he's saying, but the new creation walks out of those. Lying turns to truth. Um, unrighteous anger comes, becomes righteous concern for justice. Stealing becomes a work ethic with generosity. Corrupt talk becomes edifying talk. Bitterness and rage become kindness and forgiveness. And with each other, we can help point to those things. You can point out those things in my life, and I can help you. So I praise God for this community. I praise God for Ephesians 4 to show me how do I grow? How do I walk in holiness? It's with believers. It's with the church. And I praise God for that. So now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start winding down our time in Ephesians. Um, and so, the next week, really, the, the Ephesians is flowing towards this next concept of discipleship, this next pillar. But I'm actually not going to be here next Sunday. And so, Danny is going to preach. And so we flipped it. And so what Danny's actually going to present next week inside of Ephesians is a microcosm of this called the family. I'm going to look at what is a godly family? What does it look like to be a godly dad? A godly mom? Children who are exemplifying godliness. And so he's going to zoom, this, the Ephesians is going to zoom way in deep and look at this what is a community that's doing this actively? It's in each of our homes. And then I'll be back. We're going to look at the discipleship pillar and really dive into what discipleship looks like. And I'll tell you, that 
stool is multicolored. That's three-legged stools, all kinds of stuff, because there's all kinds of stuff flowing in to discipleship as we look at this together. And then to close out our last sermon in Ephesians, I will be at this amazing thing called Subaru Camp. Yep. So some dads with Subarus and kids take off to the mountains and I will not be here. I was supposed to have been done with Ephesians, but since I'm like I started, I'm not very good at, at sermon series. So I got off a week and so I didn't make my mark. So it's really going to be good, though, because Pastor Lawrence is going to help us finalize our time in Ephesians with this. The church has an enemy that's going to come after and attempt to attack everything that we're talking about. And we need to be ready. So let's, right now, I just want to take some time for us to thank God for what He's given us at Waypoint Church. So let's pray together and thank Him for that. Lord, I know that I need You desperately. And I also know that the best way that is a magnifying glass over my soul that you've created is the church, the community of believers to point out and show and telescope in on my weakness, not to point fingers, God, and thank you that it's to build each other up. Thank you that, and I know all of us right now can think about People and names and situations where we have been in community and have grown. I thank you. I'm thinking and picturing the people that you have put into my life, and I thank you for them. They are a gift from you. They are true friends. And Jesus, I praise you right now that in your, just in your creativity, you made this. And you gave it to us as a gift. And I praise you for Waypoint Church. I thank you for this community. And I pray for it. I pray, Lord, that you will protect us, that you will continue to help us grow, that you will help us understand more and more each day the gospel, the love of Christ for each other, flowing through us to each other. And I just thank you for the church. In all of her imperfections and ugliness, she's still the bride of Christ. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.